0: But Jesus said this, he who has my commands and obeys them, I say that again. He doesn't say he who has my commands and knows them. He says, he who has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He will be loved by my father and I, I will show myself uh, to him. Discipleship is all about our next step of, of obedience. It's, it really is about loving God and loving people. Following Jesus is about learning to receive the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of, of God. God works that in, and then we work it out in the relationships we have in, in our life. God works it in and we work it out, and the more that we surrender to that flow, the more that we will, the more that we will grow. Disci- discipleship's about our character. It's about applying the knowledge that we have and information plus application worked out in relationships will equal transformation. And this is the work that God wants to do in in your life and in in mine. I mean, think about it. Uh, Jesus actually didn't start a religion. Jesus didn't show up and say, hey, I'm gonna start a new religion. Think I'll name it after myself. I'm Jesus Christ, let's go with Christianity, Christianity. Uh, Jesus actually said, follow me. And then the outsiders looked at people that were following Jesus, and the Bible says in the book of Acts that the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. The word Christian means little Christ, little Christer. And the outsiders were looking at the insiders who were following Jesus, and they were saying, you guys love like Jesus. You guys give like Jesus. You're generous like Jesus. Jesus, There's a grace and truth about you likened to Jesus. You're little Jesus Juniors, your little Christers, you're Christian. And that's where the term came from. See, Christianity is not a religion. I said this the other day, I'll remind you. Religion says, this is what you have to do to work your way to God. Religion is advice. Religion is self-salvation. Religion is about earning. This is what you have to do to work your way to God. That's not biblical Christianity. That's not what Jesus came to provide for you and me. Christianity is the gospel. The gospel means good news. Good news of great joy for who? All people. That we have a savior. We're not saving ourselves. Religion is self-salvation. This is what you have to do to work your way to God. Biblical Christianity is good news of great joy for all people. This is what God has done to work his way to you in and through the person of Jesus. The word gospel means good news. News is not something you achieve. News is something... You choose whether or not you will believe and, and receive. This is why, again, humility is the chief virtue of the, of the Christian life because all of us are in the business of receiving God's grace. And in receiving God's love, mercy, grace, and truth, we work that out in the relationships in our lives. God works it in. We work it out. The more that we surrender to the flow, the more that we will, that we will grow. It's It's relational. And and so today I want to talk to you, we've talked about uh, wisdom, we've talked about humility. Uh, Katrina was gracious enough to join me yesterday as we talked about love, and um, yesterday I was praying through some things and I kind of changed the plan for today. (laughs) I've done that a couple of times this week. I really believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to talk and think today about forgiveness, about forgiveness. Forgiveness is a big deal to Jesus. Forgiveness is right in the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches us how to pray, and right in the middle of that, he addresses forgiveness. He says, forgive us of our what? Debts, as we also forgive our what? debtors there's a flow to forgiveness I mean catch this now God works it in and we work it out God forgive me of my debts as I also forgive my debtors God works it in and we work it out and the more we surrender to the flow the more that we will we will grow right in the middle of the Lord's prayer forgive us our debts there's a flow to forgiveness as we also forgive our our debtors And then Jesus says this, and it's not on the screen. I'm I'm just going to read you the verses. But at the end of the Lord's Prayer, there's this really scary couple of verses of Scripture. Jesus says this. Just listen close. It's not on the screen. But this is Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Jesus says this at the end of teaching us the Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And then verse 15 is the scary one. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, how many of you have that verse stitched on a pillow in your house? A poster with a cat on it and it has that verse. Anybody have that? Forgiveness is a big deal to Jesus. And it's fascinating to me that at the end of the Lord's Prayer, he goes back to the center of the Lord's Prayer and addresses forgiveness again. And he says to his potential followers there at the Sermon on the Mount and to the people who are following him, forgiveness is massive. I think, I think in the context, and even as you look at the original language, he's, it's like he's going, I don't know if you understand what a big deal relationships are to the Father. think jesus is saying i don't know if you get how massive this is that that, that following me is about being in right relationship with god and right relationship with 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 people and so you read verse verse 15 i'm going to read it again just to just to shake everybody maybe a little bit this morning but if you do not forgive others their sins your father will not forgive your sins that begs the question is bitterness and unforgiveness the unpardonable sin? That's a good question, isn't it? All the theologians scratching their head. I remember in Bible school, in Bible college, I, I, I went to school in uh, Southwest Missouri and uh, we were looking at the Sermon on the Mount and the professor, read this verse and he scratched his head and you know, we're not real sure what this means. And me and all my brilliance as a 21 year old thought to myself, I think this is what it means. If you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I think that's what that means. I I don't know that there's like a lot of need for interpretation. Um, Let me just, I don't think it's the unpardonable sin, but I do think this. You will never experience the freedom of God's forgiveness and redemptive power over your life until you learn to share that power with others. See, cause here's the truth, you ready? Forgiven people forgive people. God works it in and what? We work it out. And the more we surrender to the flow, the more that we will grow. Bitterness will stifle the power of God flowing in and through your life. Bitterness will stifle, listen now, your ability to receive love from God and from anyone else. Bitterness, even against one person, will affect all the relationships in your life, including your relationship with with God. To shut the door on forgiveness is to shut the door on you personally experiencing the power of forgiveness. Why? Because there's a flow to it. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our our debtors. Forgiven people forgive people. And in that, there's a freedom that exists in the context of the grace of God. And just so you know, no other faith on the planet offers that truth. There's a power to God's amazing grace. It's not amazing effort. It's not amazing earning. It's amazing what? Grace and grace can only be received. Grace can only be experienced in the flow of forgiveness. And so to stop the flow is to stop the grow. Does that make sense? It's to say no God to your power, no God to your redemption, no God to the freedom that you offer me. In this life, it's to say no to the abundant life that we find in the person of Jesus. Forgiveness is massive. Why? Because the kingdom of God runs on it. Because the kingdom of God is fueled by the amazing grace of our Father in and through the person of Jesus, sealed and worked out in and through our lives in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God runs on forgiveness in this life. So how do we forgive? Think about the cross for a second. Most of us, when we think about the cross, we think about the cross covering our sin, and it does. Amen? Can I get a witness? I mean, this is good stuff. He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible. He covers our sin, but the cross covers your sin. It also covers the sin done unto you. Let that sink in. The cross frees you from your personal sin, and the cross also frees you from the sin done unto you. I mean, think about this for a second. It's a little bit of a stretch, but stay with me. Even the cross is a symbol of relationships. Vertical, right relationship with God, horizontal, right relationship with God. With, with others. The cross frees us from our sin and from the sin done, done unto us. Let's talk about forgiveness, and I'm gonna give you specific steps today in how to forgive. And sooner or later, you will have to forgive someone. Can I get a witness? Welcome to the human race. In every relationship you ever have, at some point, you will hurt the other person, and the other person will hurt you. And some of those hurts are minor, and some of those hurts are massive. But welcome to the human condition. Ephesians chapter four, verses 26 through 32. The apostle Paul writes about forgiveness. And this is not him sitting on a mountainside, having a cup of coffee, eating a bran muffin, listening to good worship music, pontificating, on the topic of forgiveness. This is the man who is in prison chained to a wall. Beaten, bruised, battered for the faith. People have treated him terribly, and he pens these words. In your anger, do not sin. That's from Psalm chapter 4, by the way. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. How many of you have heard that one before? Yep, when Katrina and I got married, uh, I was working for a missions agency, and I was raising money to help missionaries go to Central America. And so uh, right before we got married, they threw a little party for us, and everybody in the missions agency gave us a piece of, of marital advice, those who were married, and they put them all in envelopes. And one of the most common pieces of advice was this verse of scripture, don't go to bed angry. And my favorite one was actually from my boss and he and I had very different personalities. Um, I am kind of out there, kind of a salesman person. He was the operations guy, more of an accountant. You know what I'm saying? And God needs accountants. I thank God for accountants. How many of you are accountants? Yes, not my people, but I'm really grateful for you. (laughs) Because uh, you don't want me organizing or managing anything, and I need you. Thank, thank you. And so he had more of that personality. And I'll never forget his note. He said, in your marriage, don't ever go to bed angry. He said, just fight on through the night. <laughs> <laughs> and boy, was he right on that one, you know? Um, I love that piece of advice. So the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. And just to say it out loud, it's okay to be angry. When somebody does you wrong, it's okay to be angry. Just to say it out loud, God gets angry. Jesus got angry. In fact, what we get angry about reveals some of the deepest parts of our character. And we are to get angry over sin because sin destroys. It's okay to be angry. This is why Paul writes, but in your anger, don't sin. Deal with it. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not, here's here's why, do not give the devil a foothold. See, here's the thing about bitterness. It lodges in our heart. It takes root in our heart. It gets stuck there. And if we allow bitterness to infect the heart like a disease, it affects all of our our lives, it infects us. Write this down if you're taking notes. Bitterness always destroys and forgiveness always heals. The choice is yours. Bitterness destroys and forgiveness heals. The choice is yours. You don't want to give the devil a foothold. Literally what Paul is saying is you don't want to be carrying anger around inside of you. You don't want to carry anger around. You don't want that kind of of baggage. Sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll say something like this, oh, I'm just a hothead. That's just the way I am. Oh, no, no, something's wrong. Let's just keep it real. You're not just a hothead. There's something lodged in your heart. let so let's, let's dig into that. Let's do a little heart surgery. My guess is some bitterness has lodged itself there and this is why you're a jerk. And by the way, there's no jerks for Jesus. <laughs> Write that one down, get a tattoo. Let's just have posters with kitty cats on our walls with that on it. <laughs> there are no jerks for Jesus. A jerk for Jesus is an oxymoron. You know what an oxymoron is? It's when you say something and then you say something else that cancels out what you just said. Like, Jumbo shrimp, right? Microsoft works. (laughs) Country music. (laughs) Write that down. There are no jerks for Jesus. It does not exist. It's impossible. You cannot follow Jesus and be prideful at the same time. Let me me really press it. You ready? You can't be self-righteous and follow Jesus. You realize there's an air of self-righteousness to bitterness. I'm right, they're wrong, and so I got a little personal jihad going on here. Jihads are not part of biblical Christianity. That's something else. Is everybody with me? There's a holy war that exists within the context of bitterness, and this is not God's will for you and for me. This is why he writes, don't let anger settle in there. Don't let anger take root in your heart, because you'll wake up one day and you'll be a jerk for Jesus, and hello, there is no such thing. You're stopping the flow of God's power and grace and mercy and forgiveness in your own life if you let bitterness get lodged there. You want to surrender to the flow. How did Jesus tell us to pray? Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God works it in and we work it work it out. It's a big deal. So Paul writes, don't, don't let the devil get a foothold because it'll mess up your life. In fact, it'll mess up all your relationships because you'll just walk around and you'll put a little Jesus on it, but really you're just kind of a jerk, right? Verse 31, get rid of, Get rid of all bitterness. Get rid of it. Rage and anger, get rid of it. Brawling and slander, get rid of it. Along with every form of malice, get rid of it. And instead, be kind and compassionate to one another. This one's heavy. This was imp- this, is <laughs> this one's impossible. This one requires... Revival, Holy Spirit, radical power. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here it is. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. Whew. That's the heaven. Forgive like Jesus forgives. I can't. We're going to talk about how here in just a second. Um, write this down if you're taking notes. Pain will change you. Pain will change you but not necessarily for the good. You have to choose that. Pain will change you, but not necessarily for the good. You have to choose that. Okay, so let's do a bitterness test. (sighs) Am I bitter? Let me give you some things to think about. Do You find yourself constantly dwelling on an incident or situation? Replay, 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 replay. Do you find yourself seeking or dreaming of revenge? Do you feel like you're always carrying around a record of what someone owes you? It'd be good if it wasn't for fill in the blank. Be happy if it wasn't for fill in the blank. Again, okay to get angry, not okay to let the anger get lodged in your heart. Is there anybody you want something bad to happen to them? Like you wouldn't feel bad about it, you'd celebrate it. Is there anybody that you get upset when they succeed? You've probably heard this quote before. This is from Lewis Smeads. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. You heard that before? Nelson Mandela said, bitterness is like drinking poison in hopes that the other person will die. Let's break it down. Here's what bitterness says. It's a debt-debtor thing. Bitterness says you owe me. That's what bitterness is about. Somebody owes you. Somebody owes you. Four things to forgiveness. Choosing to forgive. Ask yourself this question first. Number one, with whom are you bitter? Name them. With whom are you better? Are you bitter? Uh, Maybe I'll just give you this quote since I did a little slip there. Uh, Bitterness never made anybody better. Right? Yeah, write that one down. I don't even have that in my notes. That just showed up. There you go. Bitterness never made anybody better. Um, With whom are you bitter? Um, Things to think about. Whom do you hope to never see again? Who do you find yourself having imaginary conversations? There's somebody you have imaginary conversations with them. Are are you like me? I'll, I'll just be really honest with you. I'm always better after the fact. You ever do that? Like you leave a situation where there was confrontation and then you're in the car and you're driving away and and there's all the things that you wish you would have said. And so later when you tell somebody about that incident, you tell the person that you said all the things you wish you would have said. Anybody ever do that? Only me, I'm all alone. All right, my halo fell off and broke a long time ago. Glad all you guys are perfect. Who do you find yourself having an imaginary conversation with? Uh, who would you like to pay back if you thought you could get away with it? Who do you secretly desire to see fail? With whom are you better? Or give a list. Somebody in your family? Somebody in your contacts of friendships or used to be friendships? Ex-boyfriend, girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife? How about this one? A deceased Have a friend whose father died a long time ago and his father's still controlling him. It's so a power to bitterness when it takes hold in the human heart. Work associates, coaches, bosses, who are you bitter with? Bitter at you. You're bitter at you. You are taking notes. write this down. To forgive is to agree with Jesus. Would you write that down? To forgive is to agree with with Jesus. There's a surrender to Jesus in the context of forgiveness. And it is in that surrender that the power will flow. Forgiven people forgive people. If you don't know who you're angry at, you'll wind up being angry with everyone. And if you don't know who and why, then you'll always justify. I'm just a hothead, that's just who I am. Be very careful with that. For any of you uh, here this week, you're a single adult and you're dating somebody and you're like, they just seem to be angry. Here's my pastoral advice to you, run. Run away. I don't care how cute or rich they are, run. Because sooner or later, they will be angry at you. That's the power of bitterness. With whom are you bitter? Identify who the person is. Number two, what do they owe you? What do they owe you? Remember it's forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. There's a debt debtor thing with forgiveness. What do they owe you? Here's what I would encourage you to do. Sit down, write down the name, write down what they owe you. I'll give you some examples, be specific. Could be they owe you their time. They should have spent time with you, and they didn't. Could be they owe you their respect. They should have respected you, and they didn't. Could be they owe you your purity. This is heavy, guys, when we talk about bitterness. It could be somebody stole your purity from you. It could be that they never said, I love you, and they should have. It could be a deceased parent that never said that, and it took hold in your heart. And I can just tell you in the name of Jesus, God wants you to be free of it. That's why the question of who am I is so big. I'm a child of God, that's who I am. I gotta tell you this week and listening to some of your stories and the beautiful legacy that you've experienced, I'm walking back to uh, our, our, our cabin. Uh, it's not really a cabin, the Lakeside Hotel room. (laughs) I was walking back there, and I had this moment with God, and I was kind of mad at God, and I'm like, God, why didn't you give me parents and grandparents and great-grandparents that brought me to Mount Hermon? Like, why don't I have that kind of thing going on in my life, you know? And God was like, hey, man, I'm your father. Some of you need that today. God said, I'm your Abba Father. You're part of my family now. You're my kid. And then I started chewing on that. Oh, and my dad's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My dad can definitely beat up your dad. (laughs) Right? And I'm just letting that soak in. What do they they owe you? It could be they owe you an I love you. It could be they owe you a healthy family instead of a dysfunctional one. Whatever it is, what what do they owe you? What do they owe you? What do they owe you? This is big. Don't let that slip by. Write it down. Get specific. Because if you're going to forgive, you have to know what it is that you're forgiving them for. What do they owe you? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you. Who is it? What do they owe you? Number three, choose to cancel the debt. Choose to cancel the debt. And if you're really bitter right now, you're thinking to yourself, wait, what? We're already at number three? I want to dwell on what they owe me a little longer, right? And I gotta tell you, I lived years in the context of what someone owed me. Uh, It doesn't help, it doesn't help. Bitterness always destroys, forgiveness always brings healing. Choose to cancel the debt. To cancel the debt is to literally say, you don't owe me. Yes, you owe me, but I'm canceling the debt. You don't owe me anymore, okay? It could be that you'll need to go to counseling to get help with that. It could be that you'll need to talk to a pastor to get help with that. It could be that if Celebrate Recovery is in your church, you need to go, you need to do the 12 steps to get help with that. The 12 steps are not just about addictions to chemicals. They're also about addiction to bitterness. I know because I've done the 12 steps. It was very freeing for me. Bitterness was something that took root in my heart for a long, long time. And I'm grateful to God that he cleared it out of me. He still is. Every once in a while, I realize there's a little more sludge in the bucket. And Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will scoop that sludge out. Bitterness is a big, big deal. But you've got to cancel the debt. They don't owe me anymore. Here's what forgiveness is not. So you can write this down, especially if you're dealing with bitterness in the moment. Forgiveness is not forgetting. You ever heard forgive and forget? Yeah, you can't do that because you're human. Here's what I've learned. I can't forget, but God can free me. I can't forget, but God can can free me. There's been some things people have done to me in my life. If I start to think about it, it's very painful, but here's what's happened through some prayer and fasting and just allowing the Holy Spirit, my counselor, comforter and, and friend to uproot some things. The, the power of whatever it was that the person owes me, the power weakened. And so I can't forget, but I can be free. That is a supernatural thing. If you've got something in your life, you're like, I cannot cancel the debt. It's just too painful. Forgiven people can forgive people. And you have access to infinite power, infinite forgiveness, infinite mercy, infinite grace. And that connection to the one who is infinite can uproot the pain in your heart if you'll surrender to it. The debt can be canceled. So you can't forget, but you can be free. Uh, Forgiveness is not necessarily restoration. There's a difference between forgiveness and trust. You can forgive somebody without ever being in a relationship with them again. You just canceled the debt of what they owe you. Trust is lost quickly and built slowly. Trust is lost quickly and built slowly. So forgiveness is not forgetting, and it's not necessarily restoration. You get to decide what relationships you want to be in or not be in. But forgiveness is not trust. How many of you ever heard trust is earned? Can you see a show of hands? Yep. That's true to an extent. So I'll, I'll use my friend Mike Romberger as an example. There's nothing, and I trust Mike, okay? But there's nothing Mike could ever do to earn my trust. I choose whether or not I will give it to him. He's not in control of whether or not I will trust him. Does that make sense? Now, I can be Missouri, I can be the show-me state, I can watch Mike for a long time, and then I will choose whether or not I want to give him my trust. Does this make sense? But just because you forgive doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship has to be restored or that it has to stay intact. Forgiveness is not forgetting, it's not Restoration. Third one, forgiveness is not forsaking justice. It's just leaving it to God. It's just leaving it to God. Now, on occasion, you might pray a prayer likened to what David prayed in Psalms. You might want to pray, smite almighty smiter. Have any, has any of you ever prayed that? I'm not the only one, right? But still, you're putting it in the hands of, of, of God. Whom are you bitter? What do they owe you? Three, you choose to cancel the, the the debt. Write this down if you're taking notes. When I accept forgiveness from God, I am free of my sin. When I extend forgiveness to another, I am free of their sin. Let's say it again. When I accept forgiveness from God, I am free of my sin. When I extend forgiveness to another, I am free of their sin. Everybody, look at me. I love you. How free would you be if you could forgive? Wouldn't it be great to be free of it? It's not on your mind, it's not in your heart. It's not walking around like a dark shadow over your life. This is God's will for you. And there's infinite power, infinite grace, infinite forgiveness, infinite mercy that can flow in and through your life. It's receiving and giving. It's receiving the love, the mercy, the grace, the truth of God, and then giving that away to other people. And the more that we surrender to the flow, the more that we will grow number four so choose to cancel the debt number three number four close the account close the account if you want you can write this down what Jesus has done for me is bigger than what somebody did to me what Jesus has done for me is bigger than what someone did to me you close the account there was a lady in our church and I'll, I'll end with this she uh, She was recently divorced. Her ex-husband was was not a nice person. There was abuse in all kinds of different ways. This lady loved Jesus. She wanted to follow Jesus. There was actually some spiritual abuse. He kind of used religion to beat her over the head with things that aren't true, that aren't true about God or true about his ways. And she was carrying around a whole lot of bitterness. And so she, she walked through these steps and she came to my office and she said, I, I keep canceling the debt. And by the way, if you choose to forgive, and it was something big, uh, you're like, I canceled the debt. Uh, bitterness is, is, is real sticky. So every once in a while, you think you got it all off of you, and it's like walking through a spider web in the woods that you didn't see. Suddenly, it stuck to you again. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So you just kind of got to go through the process mentally again. I closed that, I closed that account, right? I canceled that, that debt. But she said, I, hard, I have a hard time closing the account. And I said, well, here's, here's what we're going to do. I said, uh, did you make a list of everything he owes you? She said, yes, it's four pages. Like, all right, she did the exercise, you know what I'm saying, right? I said, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna bury, we're gonna bury all this stuff. We're gonna bury that part of your life. And so literally, uh, she invited some friends uh, she was in a small group, invited a small group leader and, and some of the friends in the, in the small group and we met at somebody's house and the guy had a bunch of land and he had a backhoe and he, and he dug a great big hole, right? And she put all of the things that she was bitter about in a, in a box, she closed it and she put it down deep in that hole. And like a funeral, I spoke a few words And we prayed, and we said goodbye to the bitterness. And I'll never forget watching her stand there, watching that dirt hit the box, and the hole being filled. And we began to sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound, right? That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And I watched her leave it, left it, buried, dead, gone, free. See, the power of the cross and the power of grace, it doesn't just free you from your sin, it also frees you from the sin done unto you. And so maybe today we can at least step into the process. Maybe today you can just say, you know what? There's some anger and bitterness lodged in there. And maybe today we can just surrender ourselves to the father and in that begin to surrender to his flow of love, mercy, and grace. And in that, we'll grow out of it and move beyond it. Let's take a moment and pray together. Would you pray with me? Um, I'm going to do something a little different this morning. I'm going to ask everybody, if you would, to bow your head and, and close your eyes. If you would say, hey, I'm struggling with this, I'm going to ask you if you would. Let's just take a first step together. And I carried around bitterness for a long, long time, still do on occasion. I'm with you. If you would say, I'm struggling with this, would you just lift your hand? I want to pray for you specifically. Yep, lots of us. Yeah, I get it. I'm with you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me pray for us. Father, uh, give us wisdom of these things. Right now, for the people who lifted their hand, I just proclaim this truth. Jesus, you are a savior who still saves. You still bring redemption. You still have the power of resurrection. You still set captives free. You still make broken hearts new you still bring life where there is death. So we pray, come Holy Spirit. And in the name of Jesus, I ask for freedom for those who've lifted their hand. Freedom may be right now in your power in this moment. And freedom as we choose to step into the process, Jesus, that you've given us. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. May we surrender to that flow. And may we be free. I just really believe today is, is, (laughs) today for some of you, it's a loosening of chains. You've been locked to this thing for a long, long time. in the name of Jesus let's trust him let's surrender to him and on the path to freedom come holy spirit teach us we pray and may we be free in the powerful matchless name of Jesus we trust amen Thank you, Chad, for just a powerful message and a powerful reminder. Listen, uh, I'm going to dismiss you guys to go have a a donut break before we come back and Mark comes to preach. And uh, one thing I just want to remind you of, if you were interested in life coaching with Ron Taylor, Ron's not here right now, but he's left... uh